0: Welcome back to Trending in Education 2018 is here and we're happy to have you with us to kick off the year. We wanted to take one last look back at some of our favorite moments from 2017. We had some great guests on, obviously Mike and Brandon uh, every week brought great content, but we wanted to talk about the guests who really made uh, a supreme impact here on Trending in Education and on our audience. So we wanted to bring some clips from 2017 from some of our best. First off, you'll hear from Broer Saxberg, of course, uh, formerly of Kaplan. He is now at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, uh, an e-learning expert, and he's going to talk to us, and you're going to hear him talk about the idea of learning engineering and how to go about and think about uh, really how learning works and, and some comparisons in some other fields. And then we're going to hear from Nancy Lee Sanchez, Executive Director of the Kaplan Education Foundation, and she's going to talk about the transfer process. You may remember that episode uh, back uh, in the summer as she talked about the book launch and what the foundation does to help students transfer from uh, small schools or associate level degrees into four year schools or the schools of their dream. And then we'll talk to Esther Lee of Kaplan test prep. And we had her on, she was our first guest, uh, here on trending in education. We talked to her about universal design for learning UDL for short. And, uh, in this clip, she's going to talk about where really the Genesis for UDL was and more so, uh, where the Genesis for UD universal design came from and how uh, we may even see it in parts of our life that we don't even recognize. Uh, up next, we talked to Keisha Henry, uh, uh, you may remember her from our episode uh, follow-up and extra here on Trending in Education uh, about chatbots and about fake news and how in her classroom in the Bronx, she was using a chatbot called Check It uh, to help her students learn how to learn uh, what is fake news, what is real, and and how to discern for themselves moving forward. And we'll leave it off with Rohit Bargava, uh, a great guest and someone we are looking forward to getting back on the podcast here in January 2018. He talks a bit about trend spotting and even more so about one of his trends from 2017, which I think is very important heading into 2018, the idea of failure. We all know uh, one of the greatest ways to learn is failing. Learning by doing, failing, getting back up again, and learning from your mistakes. He talks about failure and being vulnerable, being open to being vulnerable as well, uh, how that works in the classroom, but also how that works uh, at your workplace. Uh, Mike Palmer with the interview there with some great insight as well. So we're so happy to be back here in 2018 next week. We'll take a look at some uh, published trends, uh, uh, trend spotting and and predictions for 2018. One from NPR and one from Inside uh, Higher Ed uh, as they talk about what they see moving forward for 2018. This month will be our big trend month and and prediction month for 2018, so we'll have our own. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you all, all January and all year long, right here on None Other Than Trending in Education. With that said, up first, here's Boris Saxberg.
1: But in terms of learning science, learning engineering, like what are some examples of uh, like phlogiston that uh, <laughs> that maybe we, we should we should be careful about? Sure. And uh, some of this, I
2: think, has already become clear that these are not the right things. But there's been some fashion, for example, that, you know, video is great for learning. Video is really great for learning. Everybody loves video. Mm-hmm. And, and the kind of false um, syllogism is, uh, you know, Video is compelling. So if we can get kids to look at screens using video, Mm -hmm. that means they're paying attention to the screen. Paying attention leads to learning. Ergo, more video equals more learning, Mm -hmm. right? Well, unfortunately, it's a false syllogism. Mm -hmm. That's not actually how learning works. That's not how the brain actually works. And so, uh, and, and and you know, folks at Kaplan Test Prep have actually done some really cool randomized controlled trial experiments, mm-hmm. comparing some very uh, well-designed video for some complex problem-solving work mm-hmm. against some other techniques that come out of learning science. Like Worked examples. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked examples, and we were able to demonstrate, uh, you know, in some ways surprisingly, that a very simple technique that was static. Uh, actually worked better than the very compelling you know, video that was actually produced. And and so this is the kind of thing. And, uh, another example is, uh, and, and some of the stuff, it, it's not that it's wrong, it's just complicated. So there's a sense that choice is great. Mm-hmm. Choice is great for learning. Thank heavens we have technology because now we can let learners choose, mm-hmm. right? That's gotta be good. It, it's not so easy. So the research shows, for example, that all learners benefit by being given control over the pace of their learning. Mm-hmm. Speed up, slow down, reverse, go forward again. That actually helps everybody. So yes, there you. there's one. However, it turns out people who are novices in an area do not benefit when given control over the structure of their learning, what they learn next or how they learn. Mm-hmm. They, they want, this is the other problem, they want to have control of that. Mm-hmm. They actually want it, but they are bad at it. Right. However, <laughs> if you get more experience, you get better in the domain. It turns out, you do better at choosing the next thing to learn or how to learn. You mm-hmm. become better at it. And, and there's actually several of these examples. It actually has a name in cognitive psychology. It's called the expertise reversal effect. Things that work well for novices don't work as well for experts Mm. things that work well for experts don't work as well for novices so Mm. this is one of those examples where Mm. expertise makes a big difference and so so it's complicated right Right. yeah control over pace works for everybody but control over structure only works for people who are more experienced it's just messy yeah and so and, and this is actually another piece about this learning engineering stuff that and you'll hear this you know Brandon Jones, of course, as a business executive, is not is an exception. Thank you. Whatever, I'm gonna be an Ooh, exception too. I'm, I'm ready
1: for and it. And yeah you had your whole name <laughs> Yes. Like that was kind of like- If I knew your middle name, yeah, I would've used it yeah, to really put yeah. you on alert. I've got a PH
0: sir. in my middle name too. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. 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 No?
2: Now we're drawing. Right, yet, right, right. That's it. Yeah. That's, yeah, so that's, th- that's actually starting to be something in the ether. That's like mm. you know,
1: struck fine structure of the right. universe kind right. of connection.
2: Right. Absolutely. Well, well, we wouldn't have known that there was a Ph. <laughs> in I mean, area. one
1: yeah. thing we haven't done quite yet, like typically we have like trivia questions on oh. the show. And like and we like to have a ding sound effect. Ah. so uh so Dan, like we're gonna have to figure out what qualifies as like a a ding, but Absolutely. maybe if something with a ph in it uh, (laughs) that could be good actually let's see how it goes that could be good Um, Um,
0: my middle name is bellerophon by the way (laughs) 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 surprisingly i gotta think about that yeah Yeah, Um,
2: yeah. uh, but you know oftentimes uh folks who are business folks in the learning side what they like to say is simplify it down just just give me the three points just Mm -hmm. you know let's let's keep it simple right and like in healthcare you know give me the three points about cancer you know I, i don't want a complicated answer about how to treat cancer, just just get me the short version of it, right? Learning is complicated, there's flavors in here and we sort of have to get used to embracing some of that complexity Mm -hmm. because the complexity really helps us. It helps us do things that work well in situations we might not have expected it and it helps us avoid wasting people's time and effort in other situations. Um, And so, uh, you know, uh, talking about the business side, uh, that example uh, we talked about earlier around using video versus using what's called a worked example for uh, uh, learning to do some complex problem solving, it's worth unpacking that a little bit further. That, so a worked example means literally a student is looking at a worked out example of a complex reasoning task. Or problem. Uh, in, in the case of the experiment, they were actually the LSAT logical reasoning puzzles, and they're, mm-hmm. they're complicated things. And and literally, you are looking at an expert's annotations on the problem of what they pay attention to and how they think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And you you literally can just study those. Compared with that long form video. So a couple of things, the long form video, it was an hour and a half of work with a workbook. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that students ended up spending something like a minute, a minute and a half per worked example in the other situation. So, mm-hmm. and only eight or nine of them seemed to give a significant positive benefit to the final solution score. So Dramatically less time was spent on it. But now this is the CFO favorite part. <laughs> the the you know the thing that was produced in, in that case was literally eight or nine PowerPoint slides. So you didn't even need the expense of creating a gorgeously produced video and workbook mm-hmm. that you know, learning is not proportional to the amount of money you spend. Right. The trick is not to spend a lot, the trick is to spend smart. Mm-hmm. And so that again is part of what this learning engineering is about, is within your constraints, and there's always constraints of time and resources, mm-hmm. optimizing what the learning science suggests to let you pack in as much goodness as you can within your constraints. And some of it is surprising and some of it is what you expected. But if you don't follow the evidence, mm-hmm. you're likely to make some mistakes.
3: The guide really came out of a need for us to share our expertise. We have become very um, good at, about getting our own students into these selectives. But when you think about it, us bringing in such a small group of students, we work each year with about 20 something students
4: mm-hmm.
3: and thinking about the millions of students that are out there, uh, we felt that it was really our responsibility and uh, to, to expand our mission and get uh, the information out um, to uh, advisors at high schools because mm-hmm. uh, we do think that transfer has to be a part of the discussion of college access early on, mm-hmm. given that so many students—I believe it's 37 uh, percent—students transfer, so it's so needed, uh, especially if we are all in the conversation about degree complete completion.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so you have that there, and we also uh, the guide is written in in to to get students to be well informed about the transfer process and how to become a transfer star. But it is also a call for four year schools Mm -hmm. because we provide the profiles, we really in black and white list, what are you doing about veterans? What are you doing about DACA undocumented, about students with families? Mm -hmm. And so in these 90 profiles provided on the books, schools can really see what it is that that their policies are and compare. And we hope to start a conversation with those schools as well.
0: Mm Yeah, Nancy, could you just tell us a little bit of more about uh, transfer students? I mean, I, I think uh, our listeners, one of the things that they'll be surprised to hear the stat you already, already just shared about thirty-seven percent of students transfer at least once. But but who are who are these students? Like who are these transfer students, and and what are some of the unique challenges that that they face?
3: Right. So so when we think of accessing higher education or accessing a degree, just think about. That's uh, uh, so many students start through community college. Like, for example, in the Latino population, we're looking at over half, 56 percent, I believe the, mm. the number is.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that's pretty high. So in the Latino population, many of them are entering through community college. That's the percentage. Mm-hmm. So if a highly selective is looking to bring in more Latinos, for example, to their That's the place to look. That's the place to look. Yep. And these are students that are resilient. Uh, but if, when you think of the veteran population, so many of them are also starting through online courses mm-hmm. as they are serving. So how do we target them? And again, not to look at these, at these students from a point of deficiency, right? Oh, you're in a community college or you have been doing online courses. It's, it's really to say, how have you been able to accrue those credits and still, uh, serve or still, be, you know, uh, work with your family or support mm-hmm. them. So these students are resilient. Uh, they exist in every community, of course, as where community colleges are in certain communities. So you will have, you know, the daughter of a farmer. You mm-hmm. will also have a young woman, 28 years old, who has a child who is working at a local pharmacy. So this is a very diverse, diverse group at many different levels, not just race, but income, experiences, age. And so we have to know that if, if you want to have an access program, you have to, to look at a transfer in what it is that you're doing.
5: So UDL, the term was really coined uh, by David Rose, who's part of uh, CAST. Uh, CAST is the educational organization that developed UDL mm-hmm. and CAST stands for Center for Applied special technology. Um, so UDL really came about when the architectural movement of universal design came about. That was uh, coined by Ron Mace, who's an architect, and he thought that buildings should be accessible by all people. Um, so he started uh, this movement to make sure that buildings had ramps, elevators, things like that, you know, buildings as we see them now. Um, but what was really cool about this movement is that later, Uh, They were designing for certain types of populations in mind, but once they had a good design, they realized that it was making everybody else's lives more convenient. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind UDL is really, uh, you know, making things accessible like those buildings that Ron Mace was advocating for. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a ramp being the most obvious example to us, you know, ramps were put into place. So that people in wheelchairs can get into buildings easier, mm-hmm. but it helps when you have, uh, you know, babies in a stroller, or when you're moving big items in and out of buildings when you're moving. Uh, so there are other benefits that people don't think about, and people don't realize that they sometimes have a preference. Like I know that there are people who use ramps over staircases, even. You know, even if they don't have a need. Yeah. Uh, so it's really about providing a lot of options.
1: I find I do that, especially when I've been drinking. But there, there are <laughs> when, so that's most of the. time. well, well we, we don't we don't need to get into that too much. So then, what would be the uh, what would be some examples of the 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 ramps for digital learning? Like what sorts of. Uh, Things are in play mm-hmm. in that space.
5: Uh, so I would say a really good example is adaptive e-readers. We all have uh, phones. Uh, when you look at the accessible modes, uh, it for people with visual impairments, you can turn the black to white and white to black. Uh, and that's act- actually that's what happens when you enter really dark places or really. Uh, light places now so even though it was really created for people with visual impairments like everybody uses it now Mm -hmm. so you would notice that like when you're in New York City subways and you're going under a tunnel all of a sudden like your phone does this weird glitch in your phone and then the you know what you see just switches and um another example would be this really cool uh, you can all look it up late after this but on YouTube you can search uh box fugue with visual uh visual music Uh, and it's really cool to follow along because the colorful bars are color-coded to each instrument and it's also like it moves up and down depending on the note that it's playing so you're like visualizing this ridiculously complex piece of music. Mm. So it's for people with hearing impairment to get a feel of what box uh, music abilities are like. But even for me, like as a musician, like I look at that and like, that's amazing. I've never seen an orchestral piece right. put together in this visual way. So that helps me as a musician, even though I don't have a hearing impairment.
0: I'm usually trying to think outside the
6: box though. So I, uh... I prefer, we have a, can you do that with Beethoven as well? Or is it just... <laughs>
5: Yeah. I mean, you could, yeah.
6: Yeah. <laughs>
1: So what, what advice would you give other teachers, other educators, based on, based on this experience?
4: Take risk. Take risk. You know, like, just try. Like, make connections with children. I always think that I'm successful with my kids because I make a connection. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to them at any level. You
0: mm-hmm. know, from
4: where they live, poverty, to what they know, to what they don't know, the struggles of learning. You know, um, just sit and have a conversation with them. Find mm-hmm. one little thing from them. That that you know that could hit home, and, and you'll you have, they they'll work for you forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, what what's next? Like what 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 would you want to go after next? Because this is uh, this quite a feather in your cap. This is an interesting uh, interesting experience, I'm sure. But uh, are you uh, do you want to build on this? Do you want to you know do more of this type of lesson plans? You want to go in another direction? Like what what, what are you thinking next?
4: We certainly want to do more of this. Um, and obviously like spread it to other content, you know, what would it look like in social studies? What would it mm. look like in math and science? Um, the city now is focusing, as you guys may know, on social emotional behavior. Yep. How can we target that? You know, how can, how would that look like on the chat box? Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of get our kids, cause I feel like there's no kid who wants to fail. You know, mm-hmm. I think kids fail because they don't know how to succeed. So if we kind of have a target on that, we have like a, something to say, you know, how can we gauge it? If we know how these kids are feeling and we know that they're struggling, how can we help them? But how do we keep track of that? And I think that a chat box somehow can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly yet. I can't, you know, wrap it around my head yet, but that's what I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> it's almost like there's strength in being open about your vulnerability, you know, it's it's yeah. it's sort of paradoxical. But you know, those who present as sort of invulnerable and strong frequently are masking things that the more uh, sort of strong personality is actually able to to be authentic and honest about, and that builds trust and empathy uh, from folks on the other side.
6: Yeah, and that's the that's the number one thing, right? I mean, we all want to be more believable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we learned in school that we had to show our work, but then we forget about that at some point. Right. right? I mean, somebody at some point when you were in school said, show your work. Right. Because otherwise, I don't know what you did. And I don't know whether you were thinking about something in the right way or not. Right. Right. And now it's like we just forgot some of those lessons. Yeah. Sometimes these trends bring back an idea that you probably already know in your subconscious, but maybe you just forgot or aren't applying to your work, Mm -hmm. even though you kind of know it
1: yeah, I'm really struck by how much you take like a like a learning and education orientation towards the the work that you do. Like it does, I mean, I, it makes sense in that you're you're helping organizations understand how to sort of benefit from this type of thinking, this type of um, uh, you know, content strategy and way of telling stories. Um, and uh, you know you you almost have like a mission, it seems to to really try to evangelize and get other people. To, to think this way, which, which, is, which is really great.
6: Yeah. I mean, if I could quantify that or, or at least describe it in some way, I would say that uh, we're living in a world where we are being led towards a reinforcing of what we already think and what we already know. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms are all doing it. Facebook gives us just the stories that we agree with from people who think like us. Mm-hmm. And there's a real danger in that because yeah. we don't, get outside of ourselves at all. And so we think that anyone who doesn't think like us is an idiot. Right. We don't understand how anyone could possibly vote for somebody who we didn't vote for. Right. And there's less understanding in the world. And so I think that that at its heart, a lot of what I try and teach with this non-obvious methodology is get outside of that. You know, buy magazines that aren't targeted towards you. Like yep. I, I'll go and buy Seventeen magazine, which is a right. magazine for teenage girls. <laughs> right. Right. Just because I want to see you something might, from you, some other audience, you might right? get an
1: odd look on the airplane. I get uh, odd looks, <laughs> but, right? But, but I'm you okay own it. it right? It's 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 yeah. your perfect imperfection. I mean,
6: yeah. Hey, I, I buy Modern Farmer magazine, right? I buy like <laughs> sailing and yachting. I don't, you know really have any use for any of those things but when i do that yeah i put myself into someone else's way of thinking Mm. yeah and the algorithms aren't going to do that for us right uh in fact they're doing the opposite right and so we have to as people and as intellectuals be uh specific about choosing to do that because mm-hmm. if we don't then we'll never get outside of that and the fact is if you're trying to be innovative you can't be innovative by reading the same thing everybody else reads yeah no you have to get outside
1: of it. no i love i love uh, i love the direction because it's all, one thing we talk a lot about is automation and artificial intelligence and the role of humans interacting with that and what i like about what i'm hearing from you is that uh, to a certain extent you're uh you're challenging humans to sort of embrace what is uniquely human as opposed to uh, just sort of accept what is fed to us by the sort of the pl- algorithmic platforms and the the artificial intelligence, all these types of things that are uh, that are emerging. We're going to have to live with intelligent agents that are non-human. But we, in in many ways, I think a, a larger trend we're talking about is what is it to be human, and how can we sort of reify that and and sort of turn it into something that people can actually grab hold of and. And in some ways, inspire, you know, like it does feel like there's a inspirational, aspirational aspect to this. Uh-
6: there is. I mean, there isn't a single person who I've ever talked to in any one of my keynotes or workshops or anything who has said, I want to be less innovative and I want to think like everybody else. Right. Um, everybody wants to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the major complaints or threats that people have is that they don't feel like they can do that in their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? They feel like their work is keeping them yes. from being more innovative, from doing the things that they want to do because there's too many regulations sure. or too many levels or too much bureaucracy or whatever it is. Right. And so part of the challenge here is how do you get yourself out of that because nobody else is going to do that for you. Right. Your boss isn't going to show up tomorrow and say, oh, by the way, you know how you wanted to be innovative for five years? from well, <laughs> right. now right. you can do it. Yep. Like that's not going to happen. Right, right. So you have to find your own way. And so sometimes it comes from uh, intrapreneurship, right? The idea of being an entrepreneur sure. within an organization. Yep. Sometimes it comes from attending or going to different sorts of situations and different uh, learning from different people. I mean, there are many, many ways to do it, but we have to choose to do it.
1: Yeah. No, I, I the intentionality is 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 spot on. I think, and and even uh, sort of the provocation to humans to to sort of uh, embrace what is what is special about us is our ability to kind of be innovative, to be creative, and a lot of these other things are going to likely be automated. So, if anything, more and more people are going to need to think in non-obvious ways to continue to provide value. Yeah.
0: It was a great year for guests here on Trending in Education in 2017. Looking forward to some great guests here in 2018 as well. If there's someone that you want us to talk to, a topic, uh, a specific person, an author, a journalist, let us know. Let us know at Trending and Ed on Twitter, Trending and Ed on Facebook, and of course, Trending Uh, You can get in touch with us multiple ways. Happy to hear from our listeners uh, and hope to hear from more of you as this year goes on. So many people we want to get on here and we're going to start uh, in January with some great guests lined up already. More to come on that. Check the website. Check Twitter. We'll be sure to keep you up to date until then. And until next week, you've been listening to Trending in Education.